It's Behind the Headlines on WLIWFM. This is our weekly opportunity to sit down with journalists from all over the East End to talk about the week's headlines. I'm Joe Shaw. I'm the executive editor of the Express News Group. We publish the Southampton Press, the East Hampton Press, the Sag Harbor Express, the website 27East.com, and Express Magazine. My co-host is Bill Sutton. He's the managing editor of the Express News Group. Good morning, Bill. Good morning, Joe. Good morning, everybody. Terrific panel, as always, this week. We have Denise Civiletti, who's the editor of Riverhead Local. Hey, Denise. Good morning. We have Beth Young, who's the editor of the East End Beacon. Hey, Beth. Good morning. Good morning. And we have Michael Mackey, who's the local host of Morning Edition right here on WLIWFM. Good morning, Michael. Good morning, all. Thank you Good for allowing you me here. to join. Absolutely. Happy to have you. Thanks for sharing the airwaves with us. So uh, let's talk about uh, a development this week. Uh, that was that came out of uh, the county government, which is that the Suffolk County Legislature decided to table action on a proposal that would have added an eighth of a cent to the county sales tax. And that would have generated, I believe the estimate was about five million dollars a year uh, to use towards sewer projects uh, throughout the county. Uh, Michael, that that was voted down by the legislature this week, or at least they tabled it, which means they very well will miss a deadline to get that on the ballot in November, right? Do we do we have a reason? Uh, is that killing the, the legislation altogether, or does it have future life? It appears to have future life, but not this year. Uh, legislator uh, the, the, the Kevin McCaffrey, the presiding officer of the Suffolk County Legislature, said he'll find a solution through his caucus and environmentalists and union leaders and other stakeholders one that everybody can agree on, but he doesn't want it on the ballot this November. He claims it's not political and he just wants to make sure all the I's are dotted and all the T's are, are crossed. But it appears to be a delay tactic so that this environmental uh, referendum, which would draw extra Democratic voters to the uh, to the polls in this coming November, when there are 18 Suffolk County legislature seats up for uh, election, it appears to be political. Oh, okay. So that's, that my, that's my reading of it. Everybody uh, seems to be supportive of the idea, right? It, it appears to be bipartisan. Um, uh, over and over again, we hear that when you poll the uh, the people who live on Long Island, there's nothing more important to them than water. Obviously, they're drinking water and the water in their homes and the water that surrounds them. It tends to be an issue that everybody can agree on, but uh, not in this particular case. Not right now. I would like to point out that um, this is exactly what happened last time. Um, McCaffrey said, essentially, because this was up before the legislature, uh, was it in June or the first meeting in July? But it was up once before. They had extensive debate and a lot of uh, comments from uh, people in the community. And um, McCaffrey said, essentially, the same things that, you know, he's in favor of it, he'll get this done, dot the I's, cross the T's, et cetera, et cetera. And, um, but, you know, voted against it and his entire caucus voted against it. I think it had voted to table. Let me correct that. And I think that um, the, um, there was one Democrat who uh, voted to table that, that night as well. But there were also a couple of Republican legislators who were absent due to illness. So, I mean, it was pretty much a party line vote, as you point out, Michael. Um, 
And um, I, I would also point out that this measure to, on the ballot would have not just this additional eighth of a cent um, water quality tax, but would also renew to what, 2060, I think? Is that right, anybody? Uh, but hmm. the, the existing drinking water you know, sales tax, huh. which has been like overwhelmingly supported by voters in the past, every time it's extended. It's presently, I think, going to expire in 2030. I should have looked at this. Sorry. But right, Beth, is that correct? You, you know about this stuff better than anybody else. And 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 it would have extended that. And it, in the past, it's it says overwhelmed has had overwhelming bipartisan support of voters. So I'm not sure. I I don't know that I totally buy into that. This would result in a lot more Democrats getting elected this year to the legislature. I'm not so sure about that, but right. I can't understand them being afraid of that because you know, I don't know. right? It's the fear of it happening. Yeah, part, part of the part of the issue, I think, is a, a lot of the Republicans are more in, in favor of using more of the money for sewering. Yeah, and uh, the, the yeah. legislators out here are more in favor of the IA systems. And I mean, if you talk to Dr. Chris Gobler, who's kind of like the clean water expert uh he's the guru (laughs) clean water guru um he basically says it's very site specific about which will work best where um in areas that are already sewered if you extend the sewers it's cost effective and it makes sense someplace like the east end a lot of the rural areas it makes no sense whatsoever and it also you know we have a long history out east of really um not wanting sewers out here because of this will lead to the potential for increased development for, for more development. Yeah. But the, it's a, it's a point worth making that, that on the East end in particular, as you go East, the sewers are part of the problem, part of the solution, I should say, but they're not the whole solution that it's, and I'm, I'm guessing the IA systems are a lot more expensive on a per home basis. So it, it depends a, on the location. It's um, a different, different economics really. And, and, yeah. That that complicates the issue a little bit. Yeah. yeah, I mean, what Dr. Gobler said at the hearing was essentially, on average, it, it costs a hundred thousand dollars to connect people to the sewers, and on average, the IA systems are twenty five thousand. Hmm. But I mean, so it's, it's really like, I mean, if you're in a densely packed downtown area, it's actually cheaper for the sewers, and that's yeah. why you see. I mean, all the little villages have sewers here. Um, Building sewage treatment plants are that's an extremely, extremely expensive, multi-million dollar endeavor. You know, it's like um yeah. and, and as we're finding on the South Fork, it's yeah. a, it's a it's a hard thing to find a site for because you have Montauk, Southampton, I'm sorry, Montauk, Southampton Village, Hampton Bays, all Riverside. eager. Riverside, all eager to have sewer plants built, but finding a location for them can be complicated too. But but finding- when you're talking about those sewer systems, though, too, Joe, you're talking about I think just downtown areas that they're that they're talking about, and that doesn't bring in, you know, to to Beth's point, that wouldn't bring in the you know the residential properties around them where where it would be, um, you know, more cost efficient to have the the IA systems. I guess because you, you can you can build a sewer in downtown Hampton Bays, but then to run lines to to the residential areas, same with Southampton, you're you're not going to do that. So I think it, um, you know, to to Beth's point, it, it's it's site specific. Yeah, and, specific. and there, 
Michael, the, the part of the problem here is that there there has been some money available uh, to address this issue throughout the county, but the eighth of a cent increase in the sales tax wouldn't have a huge impact on people's pocketbooks. I, I believe it's a dollar twenty-five per thousand dollars spent, something like that. But we've seen with the CPF how a little bit of money collected um, in a major economic transaction kind of kind of sense can build up fast and it would provide a, a big chunk of local uh, revenue that, that we could put towards maybe leveraging out some more state and federal grants too. Yeah. Uh, backers of the original plan say delaying a vote means the county will miss the first opportunity to apply for funds made available by the $4 billion New York State Environmental Bond Act and a trillion dollar congressional infrastructure bill. Mm -hmm. I presume that's still available next year. In fairness to legislator McCaffrey, he said the GOP's main complaint was that 75% of the money raised through the tax would be reserved for individual septic systems rather than sewers. Mm -hmm. It, it, it is like most issues, it, it, there is some complexity to it, but there's an awful lot of people who are disappointed by the results. Assemblyman Fred Thiel appears to be angry. Do, do we have any sense that the IA systems that are that are really sort of a way to bring uh, reduced nitrogen outflow to individual properties are they a long term solution? Do we do we know is that something that can can solve the problem for a generation? Beth, do we know that? I I believe it can. I I think one of the issues you know in the areas where it's most effective, like densely populated areas along the water because um, like uh, the areas along Flanders Bay or the areas along Shinnecock Bay. Um, these are the places where it's going to be most effective. Um, so, I mean, they are the priority areas that have already been set by Suffolk County. Suffolk County has a map when you apply for this program. And if you're in that area that's closest to the base, you get a um, greater consideration of your application. Um, so, um, but I do think there are some things with uh, community, small scale community systems for these types of neighborhoods that haven't come online yet that could also be a solution. And that would be like, you know, kind of a mini, not, I don't want to say sewer plan because it's not really what it is, but for a mini treatment facility. Yeah, basically. yeah, because some people don't have lots that are big enough or the groundwater is too high or, you know, there's a lot of considerations when you're getting close to the water that an individual property owner might not be able to solve that on their own property. So that's something that also uh, I think people are in, involved with this effort are keenly aware of and we're working on solutions for. Um, the technology is uh, changing. Um, uh, Dr. Gobler's uh, runs the Clean Center for Clean Water's technology at Stony Brook, and they are they are trying to come up with um, newer ways of treating the groundwater for uh, treating the uh, the septic water for nit nitrogen. And um, I think they just had a new one that was just approved called the nitrogen reactive bio biofilter that they've been studying for like ten years to try and get approval from Suffolk County, and they just got the approval this year. And supposedly this is going to be a less expensive alternative because some mm -hmm. of the, some of the earlier systems. Um, are, are quite costly, uh, particularly if you're installing them in areas where the depth to groundwater is um, shallow. Shallow. Hey, I, I wonder uh, on the uh, county county legislature level, I mean, if, if 
as as Michael pointed out, if if seventy five percent of those funds would be reserved for for individual septic systems and not sewers, I mean we we've often seen with the legislature that the East End is 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 underrepresented on on the legislature and and you often you know if if it looks like more money is going to the East End as far as individual um, you know septic systems then then that could be an issue too that you've got the Western legislators that that don't want to see you know a a disproportionate amount of money come come to the east end it, it's always been kind of like the east end is the redheaded stepchild when it comes to you know county government and and county funds and and all that and i wonder if there's an element of there of that there as well there we always is an element of that. Yeah. yeah we only have two out of the 18 legislators so this story is going to keep replaying itself and at the moment I mean, they both happen to be democrats as well yeah. Well, it was think, strictly think, a, a party vote, right? Ten Republicans, seven, right. seven Democrats. Yeah. I, I think you got to also think about, like, when you look at, you know, what what parts of the county have a lot of sewer district access, a lot of sewer, sewer treatment access. It's mostly the western towns of Southern right. County. There's already, I mean, there may be plenty of houses and commercial, you know, businesses and stuff that are not hooked up to the sewage treatment plants, but there are far fewer that have no access, I think, anyway, to sewer, sewage treatment plants on, in the western towns than the eastern towns, although it is way more densely populated that way, too. So, I, you know, I don't I don't want to use those two magical words, Peconic County here, yeah. but it's it's <laughs> worth pointing out. It's another incident where there is such a divide between the, the eastern half of the county and the western half of the county and and you know to a degree it's understandable those are two very different strategies for addressing the sewer situation but i, I think it's incumbent on the legislators to understand that dichotomy that we've got two very different communities and two very different solutions but but the solutions all lead to the same end and and that's the goal of the of the of the clean water you know, Joe, I think that like it bears mentioning or explaining a little bit like why sewers induce development like that might not be obvious to a lot of people, you know, um, but under county uh, health department regulations, if you have access to if you can hook up to a sewage treatment plant, OK, you can build much more uh you can develop much more densely on a piece of property than if you have no access to sewage treatment. If, particularly if you have public water, you know, that those public water and sewers allows greater density under county health department rules. So then if local zoning allows it, and there will be a lot of pressure for local zoning to allow that, um, you know, you, you're, you're going to see more dense development proposals, waterfront but condos and, um, things of that nature if you've got access to a sewage treatment plant. To, to your point, I would point to Southampton Village where the sewage uh, restrictions, the, the regulations, are what's limiting develop, right, development mm -hmm. right now in the village. It's not the zoning. The mm -hmm. zoning is there and, and is available, but nobody can really do anything because the, the, they can't get a permit from the county because of the, the septics. Um, Riverside also. Yeah. Yeah. We should also talk about why this matters. And, and Bill, we had a story this week that talks about um, why this is such an important issue. Uh, 
the aforementioned Dr. Gobler, uh, his folks at Stony Brook released a study this past week that said that water quality all over the East End and really along the whole South Shore of the island is in terrible shape. And, and he's blaming a couple of things that are happening all at once. But I mean, this is a worsening problem. It's particularly kind of dire at the moment because of a couple of reasons, right? Yeah, I mean, he blamed, you know, a lot high high temperatures and um, and and torrential downpours, which and, and I think you could argue that, um, you know, that the change in the weather patterns probably has a lot to do with climate change. Um, you know, we had um, one storm, you know, last week or earlier this week where five inches of rain fell in, you know, in, in, in Bridgehampton and in a single day. Um, but but those, you know, those those two things. Um, they spark algae blooms and bacterial loads and oxygen-starved waters in, in local bays. And, and they surveyed all of the bays. And I think there was only only one bay on the South Shore that, you know, that was in, in good shape. And the rest of them were, um, you know, um, you know, in, in, in really bad shape. You have the, um, you know, the rust, the rust tide, um, you know, coming in. Coliform bacteria levels are spiking. Um, and and that the coliform bacteria levels are are due um, directly to human waste uh, feeds in in the bays and and he talked a lot about you know the east end um, is is worse than points up west simply because there are no sewer systems um, on on the east end to help keep that water clean you you've got you know waste that goes directly into into the ground uh, groundwater and makes its way to uh, to to the bays so i mean um you know getting getting that straightened out i, I guess the you know the the ia systems um and and sewers on on the east end would certainly help with with water quality um you know it was a very dire report things are, are really bad this year i really feel like every time we talk about this we need to highlight something that beth pointed out earlier which is there are a lot of properties right on the waterfront all over the region that still have not even septic tanks but cesspools right beth like like open pits that that basically just dump human waste into the water table right i mean to put it simply and some some of them are just block blocks surrounding a hole in the ground yeah and and some of them are in the water table right most of them are getting more, more and more in the water table all the time. And some of them are in county parks. I was just going to say that. <laughs> you just recently yes. wrote about that. That, that uh, yeah, I mean, it's pretty remarkable to me that we're still fighting that constant flow of waste, Michael. The the the, the waste is just flowing into our local waterways, right? Uh, you know. Yeah. yeah, as long as we continue to uh, create runoff with our lawns and. What do we do with all the waste? It's a it's a problem all over the world, and we're just an island, and we're surrounded by water with a low water table. It's 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 a challenge. It's uh, we need more Dr. Goblers to uh, persuade us to uh, to change our ways and uh, politically and individually. It's a challenge. Seems, <laughs> seems like the county missed an opportunity this year. They're going to have to. We're going to have to hope it comes back around next year and gives voters a chance to approve this and, and decide if they want to invest this money. But losing a year means losing millions yeah. of dollars. It's a, it's a shame. Uh, and, and it puts us one year further away from 
beginning to address the problem, too. Well, at least we're keeping Shinnecock Inlet clean, apparently. Yes, Everything else is know, failing. <laughs> honestly, it's it's worth yeah. noting that, that a lot yeah. of the efforts in Shinnecock Bay have actually started to to pay dividends. Yes. Um, and that, that's been a very aggressive strategy using uh, bivalves that are being planted in the waters. And there's a, there's a lot of things that are being done uh, in the waters and they seem to be showing some signs. But the problem is we're cleaning up while we're still dumping into the bays. So that that flow of waste is still happening. So. And and it, and it's and it's gonna get worse with 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 climate change. And you know, and I'll repeat that point. And you know, the the point of the report is so so rainfall levels, you know, over the last couple of years have been consistent, but when what how it's raining, um, you know, you're getting less numbers of rainfalls per year and more rain during those um those rainfalls. And again, that's you know tied to to climate change and when you have those heavy downpours it doesn't the water doesn't soak into the the land it just pushes stuff it pushes you know um you know waste and in, in, into the bays and, and we need to you know we have we talk about climate change all the time on, on the show and we need to be aware of that as as we're looking at these remediations and kind of step things up a little bit now is not the time to be delaying on that stuff it was like the county missed an opportunity here and uh it would have been interesting. I believe voters would have approved uh, this measure, but that's speculation. We'll, we'll see. Maybe next year we'll find out if that happens or not. If, if they go, out, if they if they go, if they're true to their word and get it passed for next yeah. year, you never know if what's going to happen. If they send it to the voters next year, it's the you same know, legislature next year. Yeah, you know, I, I think that it also bears mentioning. You know, Michael was talking about the role of politics in this. I mean. They may there may be some desire to deprive Steve Ballone of this sort of, you know, uh, crowning achievement in his because he has devoted a lot of time and energy into this, um, mm. into this into this um, water quality business. Uh, and then the other thing, when it comes to politics, you can't talk about politics without talking about money, right? Yeah. And when you're talking about sewage treatment plants and laying sewer pipes and building, you know, you're talking about big companies that build these things. You're talking about a network of um, engineers and um, environmental consultants that are involved in building these things. And those folks are basically the engine of political campaigns. Mm. Like you cannot ignore that because, I mean, we saw it over and over again and still see it with how we handle municipal solid waste, you know, these people pressure government officials from the state level to the local villages to go with, you know, these massive systems that cost a lot of money to build, whether it's an incinerator or whatever, over like waste reduction and and recycling because there's a lot more money in it, you know. And I think that you, you, know, you always have to remember that when you talk about these things, because there's a lot of money in this. Absolutely. And, you know, yeah. and, and many of the legislators at the hearing said, you know, we, we believe sewers are better for economic development. And that's mm -hmm. why we're in favor of this. Yeah. It's inextricably tied to, to, okay. to the conversation. No question. Absolutely. Yeah. It also promises to be an issue in the Suffolk County executive race. Dave Colon, while he was for it, 
may be silently thinking to himself, all right, that's a great issue to run on. Republicans are against clean water. And oh, absolutely. He's going to push that, gonna push that real hard, yes. Yeah. But Ed, Ed Romain, uh, the, the Republican candidate. Yes, for, he said he was for it. He also says he wants to put it up. He's yeah, always but, been a, but the ad, the ads won't won't reflect that. No. But Denise, to your point, it may be a case where the new county legislator that comes in will get the credit for it then if it goes through next year. Well, I mean, and yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so politics. That's politics. politics. Yep. Yeah. It's it. There's no more important issue right now, I think, for the region than getting this addressed. So it's a shame that. Uh, we pushed it off a year, it sounds like. It's Behind the Headlines on WLIWFM. I'm Joe Shaw. My co-host is Bill Sutton. We're with the Express News Group. Our panelists are Denise Civiletti of Riverhead Local, Beth Young of the East End Beacon, and Michael Mackey of right here at WLIWFM. Michael, I wanted to ask you, you had something uh, that you wanted to offer about traffic, and I'm really intrigued because you were a little cagey about what it is, and you've got something new to say which is uh, maybe a new theory for one of the reasons traffic is so bad this year. Well, I had an aha experience recently. Over the years, I occasionally, uh, I always make certain that my wife has a late model car, no more than two and a half years old, but I tend to drive an older car. So occasionally you have to go and bring it in for repair. And often I say to myself, the heck with that, I'm going to ride the bus. So I'm a frequent rider of the S92 for the last uh, couple of decades. And I can tell you in 2017, 18, and 19, when I'd be waiting in Bridgehampton to take the bus back to uh, Southampton, I'd be lucky to get on the bus in Bridgehampton. Between East Hampton, Sag Harbor, and Bridgehampton, it was already full. Often I'd, I'd be standing in the bus for the full ride home. I noticed recently when I get on the bus, it's barely half full. It's very comfortable. And there's nobody sitting next to me. The ride, however, takes about 45 minutes longer. So I asked the drivers, what gives? And they said, well, three quarters of our riders have gotten driver's licenses. And back. Oh, in, uh, OK. And if so, you trace so explain, it back. Explain that. Explain so there was a there was a green light law passed by the New York State Legislature, signed off by the the governor, went into effect December 9th, uh, December 16th or thereabouts in 2019 for the undocumented to be able to get full uh, the legal driver's licenses in the state of New York. And there were lines around the block at the various Suffolk County Department of Motor Vehicle offices. And hundreds and hundreds every day, adds up to thousands and thousands, just a few short days, got their permits. They got their permits. And then in the ensuing years, they got their driver's licenses. And now they have automobiles and they're driving. And just like the rest of the people that live in the United States of America, they're not particularly conscientious about carpooling. So there are literally thousands of more motorists in our South Fork trade parade than there used to be. And the number of people riding the S92, the route that takes you from Greenport through the North Fork to Riverhead to Hampton Bays and then uh, east to to uh, Southampton, Bridgehampton, Sag Harbor and, and East Hampton. Well, there aren't nearly as many riders. And it appears to be a connective, at least according to the S92 drivers, that who uh, who say that's that's what's happening. The people that used to ride the bus, many of them now are driving, and many more who didn't uh, weren't able to drive before are driving now. That is that is a very it's interesting a observation. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so when you rode the bus five four or five years ago, 
I'm guessing that the Spanish speaking community made up a lot of the riders, right? I would say 95%. Yeah. Yeah. So that, so I was the, I was the only, only old white guy on the bus, <laughs> but, it, but it was worth it for 75 cents. But you know, what's it, yeah. and what's interesting is that it's, it's changing the way the county does its bus system, right? Because they're they're Correct. slowly starting to phase out some of yeah. the big bus routes now. They'll have to they'll they'll draw back. There's a big story in the New York Times the other day, and we've seen other stories how ridership on the Long Island Railroad and uh, commuting in and out of New York City on mass transportation has been reduced because during the pandemic, so many people came to realize and businesses that they didn't have to go to an office to work; they could work from home. But that's not the case here in the East End. The people who were riding the bus before were coming out here to work. They can't be re- they can't be replaced or they can't sit at home and do their work. They're construction workers. They're landscape workers. They work in medical offices. They're um, and they are essential. Uh, but they're instead of uh, but many, many of them are now driving out here. And uh, instead of using the mass transportation that was available and. I'm not judging. I'm not saying it's good or bad or right or wrong, but you can't deny it's made a difference. So, time out. So what? So what we're saying is that instead of improving the public transportation system so that it's more usable for people who need to commute to work, and and it's more attractive as well. Well, they, no, they they did improve it. It was it was well, the, the it was improved. There were more buses on it, but it was. But it was challenged. This isn't about, I don't think it's about improving the mass transportation system, although you ha- you're right. It's, a, oh, it's very expensive to keep a mass transportation running. Because but, if, if it was a better, more effective system, whether it's, we're speaking of bus or train, people would use it more. I mean, you can't really get around using these things. I, it's, it's, you know, it, was, it has been transportation on the east end of a last resort. Well, how how often do the does the average American on the East End uh, use mass transportation? I think, like once again, when I'm on the bus, I'm the only person that was born in the United States of America on the bus. It's it's not well, it's, it's, it's human nature. It's human nature. If you have your own vehicle, getting getting persuading that person to not be independent and drive their own vehicle is very, very hard. We've been trying to do it's it in the United States of America for a long but time. I, but I, I think I think Tanisa's point, I mean, you're you're very lucky, Michael, in in that, that S ninety two run runs the route on, on the you know on the time yeah, that, that you me, need right. it. Well, but 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 traditionally on, on the East End the bus service has has been has been pretty lax on, on the East End and and to try to get around using that bus system is has been almost impossible if you talk to a lot of people who need to, you know, you're either waiting three hours for a bus or you're on a bus for three hours, you know, connecting. I think if you look at, if you look at the, um, the South Fork commuter connection, which, you know, is, is a train service, not a bus service. But if you look at, at how many people had started using that after they started, there is a desire to use public transportation if it's if it's convenient and and if it's if it's if it's workable and i think there's still issues with the commuter connection i think there's not enough trains and and not enough times and you know and the whole issue with not running on fridays and and all that there's been problems with it but 
Um, but but it's been accepted by by a lot of people and, you know, and who who want to utilize it. And I think if if the buses and trains, um, if if the MTA would would commit to to better service, I think you'd see a lot more people using um, using public transportation. Um, Something you said too, Michael, you know, you're on the bus, you're still in the traffic. It, it's absolutely it, yeah. it definitely i mean it's still the traffic problem is affecting the bus service too to some degree right. it, it you know the trains offer a little bit of a of a benefit as far as that goes but, but it reduces traffic. everybody commenting here is mm-hmm. making a valid point yeah. if we could if we could significantly improve uh, uh public transportation so we can get from point a to point exactly. b more effectively and leave our cars home that would be better. Remember, most of the people in the trade parade traffic are not coming from the inside out. They're coming from points from they're coming. They're connecting from from Riverhead and Hampton Bays. But many, many of them are connecting from points further west. So sure. they're not even starting that route on the S, S-92. So once they got automobiles, they said the heck with that. And one of the reasons I take the bus is to force myself into getting my car fixed because it's such a miserable experience. <laughs> but, it's, but it's a miserable experience driving, too. I'm driving home. I have my wife pick me up sometimes, and we're in Bridgehampton, and we go through the county road. We go through the traffic on 27 through Watermill and Southampton. We get to Southampton Village, and we get about as far as the radio station I'm in right now, just past the the dormant movie theater. And I think, wow, I'm nine minutes from home. And then, bang, yeah. there's a sudden stop. And we're crawling through Hill Street. I'm 48 minutes away instead of eight minutes away. And my wife's in the car with me. And she says, well, this is a good time for us to talk. And we're going past all these beautiful <laughs> we're going past all these beautiful homes on Hill Street. Aren't they lovely? Wow, do you think that one's for sale? Oh, do you think we could get that one there? And I don't have the heart to tell that they're out of our league, dear. I mean <laughs> we're not poor. It's just that the, the, yeah, that's, there are worse places to be stuck on than Hill Street, but I'm tired of it. Yeah. You know, I, I went to an event in Sagaponic yesterday, uh, Thursday night, uh, and I thought, well, you know, this is going to time out. So I'll be coming back right around 530, I'm going to be joining the, the parade back from Sagaponic to Hampton Bays. And I don't do that very often because I'm lucky enough to be able to work from home and I'm able to sort of stay out of the, the flow of the traffic. I have to tell you, it is really stunning to me how the entire road system locks up for a good two hours. It took me almost two hours to get from Sagaponic to Hampton Bays. Um, and the the bumper to bumper, even on back roads, well away from, from once you get to the highway, it actually moves better than anything, but it's all of the feeder roads. And I just looked around while I, because I wasn't in, a, in an enormous rush. But I think about all of the lives that are affected by that, that just so many thousands of people who, I mean, I was talking with somebody and they said, it's not even worth going out anymore. Yeah. It's very difficult to justify even going out anymore. And, and, and that is a problem for everybody. It's going to really start to, to, to take a toll on the quality of life in the region, I'm afraid. Absolutely. I've had a, lo- a local who grew up out here uh, tell me, all this traffic, the, the the thickness and the difficulty of getting from point A to point B and restaurants not being open seven uh, nights a week like they used to be 
sooner or later is going to make the uber rich who kind of generate the business in the summer say, why do we have to go to the Hamptons for our summer resort? We can go anywhere else in the world. I, I've been, uh, is, I've that, been, is that a possibility? I've been saying that for years. Why would you why would you want to come out here if you can't? You know, I mean, you know, maybe if, if you're if you're renting a really nice house with a pool and, you know, and, and, and self-contained and you don't need to leave fine but if you want some kind of nightlife if you want to go to a restaurant if you want to go see a show um and and you're stuck in this traffic why would you come out here when there's so many other alternatives it's something we need to we need to really fix i think southampton town in particular is going to have to take a really hard look mm. at whether it's worth investing a lot more money in a police presence during the heavy traffic hours to try and manage the traffic better. There I, was I, don't, some I don't know that the, I don't know that a cop on the corner is going to make a difference, Joe. I mean, it's just what are you going to how do you control volume? volume? The, here, the, the, a woman last uh, a couple of weeks ago, my wife was attending a party with uh, some older uh, friends. It was in uh, the Southampton, like the western edge of Southampton Village. One of the attendees was in Sag Harbor. She had her son driver from Sag Harbor to the party that was scheduled to begin at 6 p.m. They left their home in Sag Harbor at 4.30 p.m. and didn't get to the, the, to the party until 6.30 p.m. Now, here's something else I found. As we're clearing the clutter in our house recently, I see some old newspapers, and I'm wondering why they keep this old Southampton Press from July of uh, 1997. Then it I was realized, so good. Well, it was terrific. I was on I the was weekly on the, miracle. That's why yeah. right. the reason the reason I kept the paper was because I was working for the Southampton Historical Museum at the time, and I was on the front page. However, as I look to the <laughs> bottom of the, I look to the bottom of the page, I see this headline: "New light clogs highway traffic." You know the light they're talking about? The light at the college, Tuckahoe uh, Road and County Road Thirty Nine. I had a whoa! I had forgotten there used to not be a light there. Well, can you imagine now if there was no light there? There would be <laughs> it would be a madhouse. There'd be accidents all over the place. I, I it's think, dangerous now. Traffic's always been an issue. When I started in in with the press in 1999, getting to the Southampton office on on Wednesday mornings was was always an issue. But but I think exponentially, it's just gotten so much worse. Yes. It was bad then. It's just impossible now. And the and the North Fork too, Denise. I was. So I, I I helped a friend last Friday, you know, I had to to pick him up from a medical appointment and, um, you know, and drive him home to to Jamesport. And um, and and this 11 o'clock on a on a Friday morning and it was just bumper to bumper traffic going east on on Main Road. It was just it was unreal. It was just it, just impossible. Yeah, that's not unusual anymore. Yeah. You know, it is a regional problem. There's no question. It feels to me like and Michael, I think you touched on it. There are some real pinch points and one of them is right around Southampton. Uh, but I feel like that means there are some things that can be done to to at least attempt to ease it a little bit. But wow, when you take a look at at how it works and I got a close look at all the tentacles of it last night, there are so many feeder roads and so many different ways that you can turn into that, you know, you end up having to go to that trunk line, which is County Road 39 and and uh, Sunrise or Montauk Highway. And everybody, there are so many feeder roads coming into those two roads that at every every intersection, 
is is a chance to slow things down. So, yeah, um, yeah amazing stuff. I, there's no this is like complaining about the weather. I don't know that we're yeah. going to fix it, mm-hmm. but we're all talking about it. No question. Public transportation, I think, Michael, you know, it hits a nail on the head. Public transportation is 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 part of the answer, if if not the answer to well, to, workforce to, housing, public uh, increased, yeah. uh, improved the public transportation. Um, I don't, yeah, I don't. Those those are those are wonderful uh, visions. But they're helicopters. difficult to Hel- helicopters. Well, yeah. helicopters. if we could get the jetpacks, yeah, we're, 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 we're crashing in the air. More helicopters that'll that'll increase our oh. our, our, our oh. listenership. Oh, <laughs> but flying Be they silent. <laughs> yeah, I think Drums. we'll hold off on on that endorsement. <laughs> um, this is Bond Deadlines on WLIWFM. I'm Joe Shaw. My co-host is Bill Sutton. We're with the Express News Group. Our panelists are Denise Civiletti of Riverhead Local, Michael Mackey of right here at WLIWFM, and Beth Young of the East End Beacon. Uh, Denise, somebody is now proposing a five-star resort in Riverhead. Tell us about that. There you go. They're going to need a sewer connection. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're at all, all, all lines lead back to the sewers. Well, you know, I, I am not sure. Although we have in Riverhead, we have had a developer speaking about a um, multifamily housing development, and he's proposing, that's not this, but he's proposing to use a community IA system, to, uh, with, you know, what Beth was saying before. Um, I don't know. What, so this is something that has not, it's not an application that's been filed. Um, it is, um, we we were uh, preparing a story about um, campaign finance contributions because the July periodic reports were filed or due July 17th. And um, Alec Lewis noticed a name he hadn't seen before in prior reports, gave um, a $1,000 contribution to the Republican candidate for town supervisor. And he said, oh, who is this? And so he went to this website for this company. It was a company in um, Westchester County and saw that there was a um, kind of like a an advertisement, if you will. They had a list of, of projects that they are uh, working on. And under, in the new development section, there was something called North Fork Resort in Riverdale. Uh, and, yeah. Um, Alec, and, Alec knows the, the adage, follow the money. He's, he's, yeah, he's yeah. perfect. Yeah. And so, you know, that's what we, we did. And um, it's funny because... Nobody knows anything about this, really. But um, the town officials have admitted to meeting with this person a few times, um, and uh, most recently this spring, by um, going to the uh, Internet Archive and looking at the Wayback Machine, we were able to discern that this project went up on their website sometime between one um, scrape in October of last year and one in March. So. It's a pretty recent addition to their website, but um, they are proposing to build this resort and spa. They don't have numbers of like how many units or anything like that on 105 acres of um, land uh, with 600 um, beachfront, uh, 600 feet of beachfront on the Long Island Sound in Riverhead. And we have, you know, they they put up a um, an aerial photo and. We've worked hard to try to figure out exactly where this might be. 
because they didn't identify that and nobody knew where it might be in mm. Riverhead Town Hall, um, despite these meetings that they had with them. And mm. uh, the uh, we, we think we figured it out. And um, so we're going to be doing a follow up story on that. But it's, you know, property stretches from Sound Avenue to the Long Island Sound. Uh, a lot of it is already had the development rights sold, but um, they are talking about that there's a farm on the site and they're going to have like farm to table experience at this resort, et cetera. I don't know. It may come to nothing or it may come to something. I guess it might depend on how many contributions, how many checks they write out. I don't know. <laughs> but well, it goes to show how difficult it can be to sort of track down something like this, right? There, it's not. Oh yeah, you know. And, a, and one, you know, one thing we've learned, much to our great dismay, I got to say, is that you know a lot of times by the time a developer is making a presentation in the town board meeting room to the town board, even at a so-called work session. Uh, which is kind of an informal thing. But by the time that actually happens, there have been already a lot of meetings um, behind the scenes, meetings with individual board members, meetings with other with committees and things of that nature that, you know, even when you're looking out for these things, as we all are, you know, all the time, um, it, you know, there's no way to find out that they're happening even, you know, um, and um you know, we find here in Riverhead anyway that when these things come to a public forum, it's usually all said and done. <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. it's just a matter of uh, the formal vote. And then, you know, you're dealing with things like you had in Southampton Town where, you know, they were like, OK, we got to neutralize the opposition to this. <laughs> we're yeah. going to handle that. So, you know, it's 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 very discouraging, really, because. You know, well, and, and, and by that time, that that's not how it's supposed to work. But and, and by that time, the developer sunk a lot of money in, into yeah. into the idea. And I think that a lot of elected officials see that and they feel compelled to to approve the the application in, in, in one form or another, because that money, you know, they, they feel like the developers already put the money into it. And, you know, and, and they, into their campaigns. Yeah, exactly. Well, that too. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> This was a debate I had with a former town supervisor who had said, oh, no, we're not ready to talk about this yet. There will be plenty of time for public comment after we get to that point. And it's like, well, when you get to that point, the public comment becomes pro forma. You're, you're yeah. not really it's it's just a, a, a speed bump towards towards approval. You really want to get word out as early as you can so people have an opportunity to. To, to react to it. And so. that's exactly the opposite of really what they want to do. <laughs> no, absolutely. Because so public that's a, participation is annoying. That's a fairly, yeah. could turn out to be a fairly big kind of a proposal up there. It could be. And I mean, it could also end up not coming to fruition. I don't know. I should also mention that we, we, that we could not get them to uh, respond to our request for comment, the developer. But um, the day after Alec made phone calls and sent an email. And also the day after he interviewed some town officials, um, they took this project off that page where they had like their gallery of um, of their projects, but they didn't re remove the actual page. So they just removed the picture of it with the link on the landing page for their projects. So we were still able to, you know, go to that page and Alec put the link to that page in the story. Um, as of yesterday afternoon, they hadn't taken that page down yet. Hmm. But, um, hmm. you know, so clearly, uh, you know, 
they wanted to keep this quiet, but then they put it on their website. So I don't know. We'll see. That's good stuff. <laughs> gold, gold star for Alec for, for poking around and yeah. connecting some dots there. No question. Beth, I also wanted to talk about Greenport. Um, they are on the cusp of doing some major, uh, having some major conversations about zoning in Greenport, right? Um, yeah, they've been having them all uh, all summer, and it looks like it'll be up for public hearing um, in August. I'll, I don't have the date in front of me, um, but uh, I believe they're going to be holding a special meeting to have a public hearing on um, on uh, changes to the zoning. And this would uh, involve a lot of the downtown uh, commercial areas. Uh, they want to uh, preserve the uh, historic waterfront uses there. Um, there's a big shipyard that's on the edge of the uh, water there. There's a lot. It's a very deep water port. Mm -hmm. uh, we don't have that many of them. Um, so uh, a lot of the zoning is geared toward making sure that these historic uses can continue and also limiting the number of new hotels and restaurants that can be uh, built there. Uh, Greenport has a lot of restaurants right now and um, a few hotels. And um, it's a very small downtown area. Uh, so, uh, there's a lot, a lot of foot and, um, the public will have a chance to weigh in. And if, uh, you give me a minute, I might be able to find out when <laughs> it's coming up in August. That's the key. Coming part. Up in August, so we've yeah. got, we've got a little time, um, yes. but that's, I mean, Greenport, I think has sort of a reputation in the region as being a real successful downtown area, yeah. right? It's, it's, it's doing well. And, and I think remains sort of a destination spot for people. Oh, absolutely. It's a big destination. It's the uh, only town that you really can uh, has any nightlife on the North Fork. So mm -hmm. if you want to go downtown and walk around somewhere and uh, hear some music or go out to dinner, um, and it's a real walkable place. You'd Once you get there and find a place to park, which is yeah. not easy. Um, Those are your challenges. Do they, have a, do they have a sewer system? They do. They do. I, I mean, I was going to say, how, how do you have that much, that many businesses? But And they also have that wonderful, as you said, the historic waterfront that's so directly connected to its downtown. So, uh, you know, it's just a it's just a really unique place. And, and uh, so it'll be interesting. Those it's really pretty. I mean, it's just a pretty place yes. to be too. great place. The beautiful to visit. harbor, you know, it was a working waterfront. That's how it developed. And it's a cool little town because, I mean, you know, they've got their own sewer system. They have the, their own electrical plant. <laughs> I mean, how many places can you think of that have that? I mean, but, wow. you know, yeah, uh, it's a it's a cute little tiny city sort of. Um, and they have a lot of colorful characters. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, they still do. Yeah. <laughs> but it just goes to show where the zoning, you know, can I mean there's there's a you're you're walking a tightrope because things are good and you want to be careful not to to mess with that too much but so much of the idea of zoning is to try and protect what's what's working and uh, and try and keep out the uses that that might sort of undermine that right yeah and um, I think it's a pretty vibrant mix what's there already and a lot of the zoning is just kind of reflecting what's there. Um, um, like there's an area of Front Street, which is right in the center of Greenport, that retail is not a permitted use in this area. It's a conditional use. So so 
it's all retail shops now and it has been for decades um but it but the things that you're allowed to do there are like processing of seafood and like you could have like you know uh, all kinds of smelly things there but it's all little cute shops that aren't allowed as of right so hmm. get, getting you know just silly little things like that um in order I think so they want to correct that to make to make retail a, a permitted use yeah 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 it's time for an update it's a, yeah. probably a lot well, of those zoning yeah. rules have been in place for a long time and but it feels we, like they were pretty forward thinking back in the day to to set up the electric plant and the sewers and 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 all that whoever the the founding you know people were or, or you know back in the day to, to 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 get things going in the right direction yeah absolutely well we'll keep an eye and we we ran out of time beth i wanted to give you a chance to you have a story about uh, a Unitarian Universalist church in Southwold that's rebuilding um, after a fire, right? Uh, some years ago. Yeah, they had a, a the church basically burned burned down in uh, March of 2015, and they've been kind of trying to build consensus on what to do for the past eight years, which um, in the Unitarian tradition is incredibly democratic. So there have been a lot of uh, what we would call charrettes in the zoning world, <laughs> but a lot of uh, a lot of back and forth, and they found something that they've all agreed on, and uh, they had a groundbreaking on July twenty second, and uh, hope to have a new church there next year. It's uh, at the gateway to Southwold on a big turn, so it's a very important corner in Southwold that's been bare for for eight years now, and it'll be great to see a church there again. That's great. We'll send, we will invite people to seek that story out in the East End Beacon for sure. We are out of time. Uh, I want to thank our panelists, Denise Civiletti of Riverhead Local, Beth Young of the East End Beacon, and Michael Mackey from right here at WLIWFM. Uh, I also want to thank my co-host, Bill Sutton. Uh, thanks, Bill. Thank you, and Joe. I'm Joe Shaw. We'll be back uh, with another edition of Behind the Headlines, Behind the Headlines next week. Uh, thank you all for joining us. Thank you guys for being here.